What are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, we got to discuss that wild D-backs comeback victory over the Philadelphia Phillies in game one. Then part two with Silly Baseball picking the National League All-Star starters all on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I'm Miller Thomas, host of this wonderful podcast. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 from my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. One of those platforms is YouTube. So please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. But on today's podcast, I want to talk about that game one victory over the Philadelphia Phillies because it was an exhilarating comeback by the answerbacks who once again had to respond in that game. The D-backs are now 41 and 25 and they sit alone atop of the National League standings, no longer tied with the Atlanta Braves and currently four games up on the Los Angeles Dodgers, the D-backs were able to do it with another come-from-behind victory because the Philadelphia Phillies did everything in their power to hold this D-backs team back because, for one, they took a 5-1 to lead after three innings. They were going after Tommy Henry, who was struggling, gave up nine hits and four and two-thirds, five earned runs. He did have six strikeouts, but it was, you know, Tommy Henry can be hit or miss. He can be shakier at times, and when Tommy Henry's right and he's pitching well, you feel like this D-backs team can win the World Series, and when you got a night like tonight where it's like back-to-back games where Zach Gallon doesn't look good, Tommy Henry doesn't look good, it makes you worried about the depth of this starting rotation, but when you got an offense like the D-backs, maybe you don't need good starting pitchers because this D-backs offense was able to help Tommy Henry and like I said the Philadelphia Phillies were trying to keep this D-backs team back took a five to one lead after three innings well they were also hitting Corbin Carroll consistently in those first three innings they actually hit him twice during that span and listen I know Corbin Carroll is a small guy he's got a small frame maybe It's easier to hit him because you're trying to get a smaller strike zone. So you maybe make a mistake and hit Corbin Carroll. I would think it's easier to hit a guy like Aaron Judge, who's standing at like uh, who's standing at like six foot nine, four hundred pounds. Obviously, that's an exaggeration. But Corbin Carroll was hit twice in the postgame. Corbin Carroll said he didn't feel like it was intentional. He didn't feel like there was any malintent. And I don't think there was any malintent either. I just think that guy for the for the Phillies, the pitcher, probably isn't that good. Probably doesn't have a lot of command. And that's why he hit Corbin Carroll. But it doesn't matter. When a D-backs player gets hit, you know Tori Lovello has to turn into the Incredible Hulk. It's like he gets hit with the gamma rays when he sees one of his players gets 
messed with on the field because Tori Lovello is not afraid to get ejected. He's not afraid to let his opinion be heard. And we saw him storming on the field. And once that happened, after that, after that Corbin Carroll second hit by pitch, you knew Tori Lovello was going to muck it up with the umpire. And that's exactly what he did to the tune of both benches getting cleared. But Tori Lovello definitely got his point across. Jeff Bannister of the bench also got his point across for sure. We love to see Tori Lovello go after these umpires. And it's not something he's not afraid of. It was his third ejection of the season this year. In 2022, he tied the National League in ejections with five. And also in 2020, he was tied in the National League in ejections in that shortened season with three. So this could be potentially three of the last four years. Toy Lovello has led the National League in ejections. It's just something he loves to do. And it's something that sparked the D-backs because after Toy Lovello got ejected, immediately... Uh, the D-backs scored two runs in the third. They scored another two runs in the fourth. They put up, uh, what was it, four runs in the sixth. Like, the D-backs, after that ejection, immediately went on an offensive tear. Corbin Carroll, he got hot. He had a couple of hits. He had a triple. Like, Corbin Carroll just does everything. He beat out a ground ball. The offense, Emmanuel Rivera has been insane for the D-backs this season. We can't overlook him. In the fourth inning, he... Scored the first run of the fourth inning. Also scored the last run of the fourth inning. Or, excuse me, he scored the first run of the fourth inning and then scored the first run of the sixth inning as well. Emmanuel Rivera just been on fire. And then Evan Longoria, he was just waiting on his pitch. Away, away, away. Finally got something hanging over the middle. Crushed it 434 feet. Now, the bullpen did try to make this a close game. The deal, the bullpen did try to make this game a nail-biter because Dre Jameson comes in. He's still got a case of the shakies. He's someone that... I think every D-backs fan wants him to work out because when you watch him, you could see the stuff. He just got a little Luis Frias in him where his command and control is not always the best and he struggles in that area. But Dre Jameson is someone that I think has a future with the D-backs. And of the young pitchers still that I've seen this year with the Fox and the and the Ryan Nelsons and the Dre Jamesons of the world, I, I feel like Dre Jameson still looks the best when I'm watching his stuff and his pitching arsenal. Even though he hasn't performed the best, I still feel like he looks the best. I want to see another cup of Brandon Fott, though, before I really make my decision. But he struggled. Austin Adams wasn't great either. Chafin always can make it shaky, but he was fine tonight. And then Miguel Castro, I thought he was going to blow this game in the ninth inning. Miguel Castro needs like a week off because he's struggling big time. He's given up a ton of extra base hits right now. And right now, the biggest thing holding this D-backs team back is that closer role because we always talk about it. The closing for the D-backs the last few years has been a big issue. And it's starting to rear its ugly head again because it feels like the D-backs are good in the seventh and eighth inning. Obviously, it was kind of shaky tonight, but feels like the Scott McGill Guffs and the Chafins and the Castros and the Kyle Nelsons and the Ginkles have been fine when it's the 7th or 8th inning. So when you put any of those guys in the ninth inning, that's where this team starts to struggle. But offensively, I love Ketel Marte leading off right now. He's on fire. He had three hits tonight. I think my ideal lineup right now is probably Ketel leading off, Carroll number 2, Guriel 3, Walker 4, and then some platoon guy, either 5 and 6. Like if you could go, let's say there's a lefty on the mound, you go and Manny Rivera, fifth. Evan Longoria, sixth. And then you could go like Moreno, seventh. McCarthy, eighth. Like, I don't know. Perdomo's still in this lineup. We got to see the first taste of Carson Kelly back. Let me not overlook that. He came back. He drew a walk. Like, Carson Kelly at this point, you just want him to play 
really good defense and just become like an on-base machine and with some pop. Like, I don't need Carson Kelly to do a lot. He's going to strike out. He's not going to get a ton of base hits. But if he bats like, if he just does what Evelyn Gore is doing, bat 230, but be a power guy against lefties and just play really strong defense behind the plate, draw a walk or two every now and then, and I'll be pretty happy with that. I don't need a ton from Carson Kelly because I think it's pretty clear Gabriel Moreno is the catcher of the future, and he's even the catcher of the right now because he's that good. The perfect lineup, I still don't know, but definitely like Marte, Carroll, Gurriel, Walker is my core four. And then after that, some combination of the Morenos, Perdomos, Longorias, and Manuel Rivera. Maybe we got to get Manuel Rivera a little bit more everyday work because he's just so hot. And honestly, we're going to talk about the all-star ballot, the snubs and the surprises from the first round of voting with Javier Reyes tomorrow um, with a little crossover. We're about to talk about the NL all-star ballot of who should be the starters with Sully Baseball. But before we get there, I first want to talk to you guys about Game Time because Game Time is the best place for last-minute ticket deals because buying tickets shouldn't be stressful. And Game Time, it takes the stress away, right? Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks. Let's go over our National League All-Star picks. Uh, why don't you start off with catcher? All right, with catcher, I got at the time in the offseason, I said this trade might be a little bit overrated, but I have to rescind that statement because I think he's been the best catcher in the NL this year. Sean Murphy of the Atlanta Braves has been elite defensively behind the plate. Offensively, he's been a key cog in that lineup. I'm going with him as my catcher. I think that's the biggest no-brainer, quite frankly, of these, of these picks. Mm. Um, I think... I mean, if Wilson Contreras was having a better year with the Cubs, uh, with with St. Louis, I'm sorry. If he was a player with St. Louis that he was with the Cubs, um, I would have included him. But based upon last year and this year, it's, it's got to be Sean Murphy. I mean, I mean, if you're looking at the catchers just based off this season, Will Smith has had a pretty good year. Even the rookie yes. for the Mets, Francisco Alvarez, and also the catcher for uh, the Rockies. He's been probably him and McMahon have been quietly producing in that lineup. I just think Murphy's the best at this point. Yeah. At this point, he would do it. Okay, now this is probably the most stacked position coming up is first base. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm curious to see who you had getting the spot there. 
Yeah, first base, there's some good contenders, but I do think the answer is kind of obvious because I think Freddie Freeman is levitating amongst the rest of the crew. Pete Alonzo, he's, of course, 20-plus home runs, but he just went on the injury list. Goldie's always going to be around. He's old reliable. I mean, there's a ton of first basemen having great seasons, but I think Freddie Freeman's having like an MVP-type season, so I have to pick him. I agree. Yeah, Freddie Freeman was my pick. Um, Second base, I, I to me... It's I I, my pick was pretty clear. Who do you have at second base? Second base is kind of weird this year. Um, You got Nolan Gorman's and Thyro Estrada's, but I'm going with the man who's batted near 400 the entire season. I want to put a little respect on his name. Arias of the Miami Marlins. Luis Arias. Yeah, Uh, it's funny because he's a second baseman. Kind of like it's like this is a fantasy team. Like he because he doesn't really have the one position that he's nailed down to. Um, you know, if you took this year and last year's war, you know, for the, for the last calendar year, it probably would have been Jeff McNeil mm. of the Mets. But if you're batting nearly 400 and yeah. his addition to that lineup has turned them from being an OK team with good pitching to a legitimate wildcard contender. And, you know, right now they would be a wildcard team. And I think no small part of that is, you know, it's not the exact same effect the judge has, but by putting that, that solid professional hitter in that lineup, it's it's caused a chain reaction where, you know, the Solaires and everyone else in, on that in that lineup are hitting the ball well and they're scoring enough for the, you know, the Mar- we knew the Marlins were going to pitch well. Mm-hmm. So now they can hit. And he is having arguably an MVP season. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be it. I mean, uh, my pick for the MVP at this point is a little bit later uh, in my in my NL picks, but Arise would be second for me right now. You know, Freeman. I mean, Freeman, Arise, and the other person would probably be my top three at this moment. I'll, be, you may mm. be able to guess who the third person is and who my leader is, but um, anyway, I'll tell you the single weakest position. Yeah. Of any of the you know, AL or NL All-Star starters is National League shortstop. Yeah, it's kind of gross. I wasn't even entirely sure who to pick here. I kind of feel bad picking for anyone, but I'm going to lean into the homerism a little bit, and I feel like it's justified with the season he's had compared to the other guys on this list. I'm going with Geraldo Perdomo, who's been a key contributor mm-hmm. to this D-backs team, who's been elite with runners in scoring position. There may not be a D-back I trust more at the plate if there's two outs and two runners on than Geraldo Perdomo. He's got as many RBIs. I, I think he's got more RBIs than every shortstop on this list outside of Francisco Lindor. He's been a key contributor over 800 OPS. I'm going with Podomo as my starting shortstop. And I never thought I would have said that in a million years. That's I considered him. I absolutely considered him. Now, if let me put it this way, if Francisco Lindor was having an okay first half, Mm -hmm. he would get it for me. Yeah, but he's not having an okay first half. He's having a subpar first half. And so the only reason I'm putting Dansby Swanson as the starter is based upon he's been mediocre this first half and he was very good at the second half last year. I mean, this is where combining the two put him slightly over the top. And I also believe that Swanson will, when the dust settles at the end of the year, I think he'll probably put up decent stats and be, you know, not look insane that I picked him. But again, there was no player 
on any of the teams that stood out as, you know, I couldn't do O'Neill Cruz yet. He's not there yet. No. You know, I mean, there was a couple I thought I kind of squinted my eyes and I'm like, no, I just can't do it. So um, because I can't have a hole at shortstop, otherwise there'd be lots of ground balls right through to the outfield. Um, I decided to go Swanson. Yeah, you could have went with like a big name like Bogarts or Trey Turner, but none of them have been. No, just, they, don't they don't yeah, deserve it. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. You know, I, I mean, I was I really was. I mean, Trey Turner has been was terrible for a while. And Bogarts has been subpar and injured. Trust me, I love both of those players. And I'm like, I can't, I couldn't pull the trigger. So I just pulled the trigger on Swanson. Been weak. Um, okay, third base, who you got? Third base, um, that was another weird one for uh, this season. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Nolan Arenado, but I don't think he's had like a Nolan Arenado type season. I just think the field is kind of weird. Like you could go with J.D. Davis here of the Giants. You could even go with like a Ryan McMahon, like I said, the Colorado Rockies. But I'm going with Nolan Arenado just because he's older live. I know he's going to play great defense for me, and he's a true star, so I'm putting him over at the hot corner. And I'm putting Arenado in there because he was my pick for the MVP last year. Okay. And there is no surefire other pick there no. so this is a combination of the second half of last year where i thought he was elite in fact i would have picked arenado over over um and you know it would it was if machado was having a slightly better first half i would have gone machado for the same reason because machado was in my top three of mvp candidates last year so again this is a little bit of waiting the second half they had last year Again, I don't think anyone would throw a pie in my face when I put Nolan Arenado on my all-star ballot. Um, you know, I've, I'm one of the few Manny Machado fans in the world, um, but so I wanted to vote for him. I just couldn't because he's not he's he's been he hasn't bad. been on the field enough. He's been bad too. He just hasn't yeah. performed at all this year. Although he made that amazing catch the other day, who knows? He may have no. a phenomenal second half. But Arenado is my pick. All right, I need to know your left fielder. Oh, you already know my left fielder because if I didn't pick this guy, I would have had another D back on the list. And left field is going to Corbin Carroll. If it wasn't Corbin Carroll, it should have been Lords Goriel. But Corbin Carroll, if you filter by any offensive metric, he's going to be near at the top of those lists. We had a conversation a couple of weeks ago. Could he be the third player to win rookie of the year and MVP in the same season? You gave me a quick, fast no. He was plus 20,000 at that time on FanDuel. I think he's like plus 9,000 and climbing the conversation. Conversation getting real. He's almost caught Acuna in all of his stats when Acuna has been the favorite for the MVP all season. I'm locking in Corbin Carroll as my left fielder for the All-Star game and watch out. Still get the money in while it's early on him to potentially win MVP. You're going to be mad at me. Oh, man. My left field pick. Right oh, there. Man. Who do you think? Uh, it better be Corbin Carroll. Of course it's Corbin Carroll. Okay, there we go. I was like, of course it's Corbin Carroll. Yes. All right. Yeah. That that, that was a no doubt about it. Yeah. I I, I saw you starting to sweat there. Yes. Absolutely. It's Corbin Carroll. Um, Center field. I have Acuna. Yeah. Me too. Acuna is currently my NL MVP. Mm -hmm. Now, again, Carroll, Freeman, Arise, all are in the mix right now. But yeah. if the leader in the clubhouse for me is Acuna, uh, and I think that he's just, he's a remarkable, he, on all facets of the game, he's a remarkable player. I think he's having a fine season, and uh, he definitely belongs in the uh, in the All-Star game. 
Yeah, I agree on everything you said. Hopefully Acuna can stay healthy the entire season because that's been like the biggest issue from the last few years. And the game is more fun with, with Acuna healthy playing. Yeah, he's electric. Um, Right field, I have Mookie Betts. Um, yeah. Now, I just, as, as someone who grew up a diehard Red Sox fan, I am just so glad the Red Sox were able to save money on the uh, <laughs> on their taxes because uh, yeah, I'd hate to see a billionaire uh, pay money. It's worth a generational talent being traded away. Uh, Mookie Betts, and you know what? He could have been the starting shortstop because he started a couple of days at shortstop, you know, but why not, why not throw Mookie Betts in there? But, uh, yeah, he's in there for me. And honestly, if Major League Baseball was like, let's put Mookie Betts, give him some infield eligibility on this ballot to strengthen that position, I wouldn't be mad at them at all to do that. And then you no. have a guy like Lords Gurriel in the other outfield spot, and then you got all the best players in the National League in the game. Um, I think it's going to be even more sad for Red Sox fans when you look at who could be the DH potentially, because I got J.D. Martinez as my starting DH in the National League. Yeah, well, Arizona Diamondback fans won't be happy that I have Paul Goldschmidt as oh. my DH. But um, yeah, I mean, but again, JD is also a former Diamondback. Yeah. Um, I, I'm fine with JD. I'm fine with Goldschmidt. I want to see Goldschmidt in that lineup. Uh, but JD has been unbelievable with Los Angeles this year. Yeah, uh, I just want uh, a true DH because I don't even know if you could pick a guy like Goldschmidt on just like the ballot that MLB has set up. Well, okay. Well, if that's the case, then it'd be JD. Yeah. Um, okay, do. who do you yeah. who do you have starting? What pitcher? And then do you have starting? starting, I mean, if he didn't give up five earned runs against the Detroit Tigers on Sunday, I really would have went with Zach Gallon here. But now his ERA is like above a three, so I think I'm going to have to go with um not a guy who I would have expected entering the year, but I'm going with Marcus Stroman, who's having like a bit of a yeah. renaissance season for the Chicago Cubs after struggling the last couple of years. Absolutely, it's Stroman. I mean, Stroman yeah. right now has got to be the front runner for the NL Cy Young Award, which is gross. I mean, I'm just, I'm not saying you're right. I'm though. just saying, I'm just saying, you're well, there you go. That's those are, look at, we use different criteria to pick our ballots. And yet with only one or two exceptions here, or there, and they're usually at the, at the positions where there's a coin toss. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had the same catches, same first base, same second base, different shortstop, different third, same outfield, same starting pitcher. And I think we had the same, uh, outfield, almost the same outfield. We only like what? We only like three or four differences in the in the uh, entire thing. Yeah, I felt like a lot of the dudes were. It just felt like you knew who the starting starters were in the outfield, or not in the outfield in the All Star ballot. It just felt like at a lot of the positions, it was just a clear cut guy who should be taking over this year. All right, we are here with Miller Thomas doing a last run through of the, uh, you know, the Sunday games were unbelievable. Because you got some wild, weird comebacks. First of all, uh, shout out to uh, Keller and the Pirates, who dust themselves off from the Saturday loss. They doubled up the Mets 2-1. to one, And the Pirates are now in first place by themselves because the hottest team in the American League is the Oakland A's. Man. They've won their last five games, and it's a wonderful thing. And I'll tell you why it's a wonderful thing. Because people have just circled the A's. As on their calendar as well. Here's some easy wins. Here's some easy wins. The Pirates thought they had some easy wins. They lost their series. The A's came into Milwaukee and swept the Brewers in Milwaukee. 
Um, and you know, today was just a weird sloppy game. Final score was eight to six. There was a um Seth Brown. I think he may still be fouling off pitches. He kept fouling and fouling and fouling and then wound up hitting a three-run home run, and that was the difference. Uh, some more comebacks. The Reds came back against the Cardinals. The Cardinals are absolutely sputtering. The Cardinals might be sellers at the trade deadline. Um, and one of the most, to me, one of the most startling comebacks today uh, came between the, the White Sox and the Marlins. The White Sox took a five to one lead into the eighth and Soler and company came storming back with a three run ninth inning. And this is coming off after Friday. They had a five run ninth inning. The White Sox should have swept this series. Instead, they dropped two out of three at home and the Marlins are have are holding on to their uh, wildcard spot. And they have crawled to within um, four games in the loss column behind the Braves at this point. Um, Atlanta, who lost today. Who the hell did wait? Who did Atlanta lose to? Gate? Who did Atlanta? Oh, they lost oh. to Washington, six to one. Um, there was a Kevin Biggio hit a big three-run home run, and the Blue Jays came from behind to defeat the, the Twins. Scored four runs in the first. They were up four runs before the Blue Jays even came to bat. And the Blue Jays came all the way back from a six-to-one deficit to win seven to six, which means nobody in the American League Central, is above 500. But let's get down to brass tacks. Oh, yeah. The early morning game, the Diamondbacks just were dead in the water to the Detroit Tigers and looked like, and, you know, at this point, I was going to say, okay, I'm doing the show with Miller today. They went on, they took two out of three from Detroit. Four-game winning streak was snapped. Still, they're looking pretty good. And then... Who was, was it, who was who got the big? It was Christian Walker, right? Who got the big hit for the uh, for the D backs? It was yeah. Uh, well, Walker. he had like yeah, he had like a string of guys. Carol Walker and Perdomo all came through <laughs> in the ninth inning to get. But like Walker was down, they were down to their last strike, and yeah. Walker hit one down the line for a two run double. And uh, with that, how can we describe the Arizona Diamondbacks? Oh, in one word, the answer backs, because the D-backs have the most comebacks in Major League Baseball, I believe, this season, and they showed it again. They're the most resilient team in Major League Baseball. It doesn't matter how many times you kick them down. They always find the, the, the way to pick themselves back up, and we saw it again on Sunday because they were down to their final two outs, and then they just started racking up run after run. Corbin Carroll had himself a series, started game one with two home runs, including a grand slam, had a huge two-run shot to make it a one-run game in that ninth inning on Sunday before Christian Walker and Perdomo put the final touches on the lead and the victory. The D-backs are one of the hottest teams in Major League Baseball. They won 11 of their last 13 games. They have they are tied for the best record in the National League, and right now it feels damn good to be a D-backs fan. Well, and they have opened up a – they're up four games in the loss column over Los Angeles. Yeah. And, folks, just keep in mind – it's now mid-June. Yes, there's a lot of baseball to be played, but it's under 100 games that have to be played. We are eerily close to the midway point of the season. We're just a couple of weeks away from being the halfway mark of the season. And right now, the Diamondbacks are they're 15 games above 500. And they have a three-and-a-half game lead over Los Angeles right now. The Pirates are in first place by themselves. 
the Rangers are not only first place by themselves, they have a five-game lead over the Houston Astros. And the Tampa Bay Rays... Uh, now, look at the Orioles are still the Orioles on a four game winning streak and they're on pace to win 100 games. OK, and they are five and a half games behind Tampa Bay, who have won eight of their last 10 games. This is yes, there's still a lot of baseball to be played, but we're in mid-June right now. And you're starting to see if you are a Marlin fan or if you are a Diamondback fan. This is no, or if you're a pirate fan, this is no longer, hey, we had a nice April. This is, hey, we are probably going to be above 500 when the 4th of July shows up, which is something that all of those fan bases would have signed off on. Yeah. Um, Hey, Miller Thomas, congratulations for having the best team in the National League. Um, Here's a trivia question, though. Trivia question for today is about one of the, well, one of the most fascinating figures in baseball history, I think, is Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson, who has not only the only person with over a thousand stolen bases, he has fourteen oh six stolen bases. Um, if someone, I think it was like I think I calculated, someone s- stole fifty five bases a year for I think it was for like twenty two years, fifty five bases every year. Ricky Henderson would still be the all-time stolen base king. I mean, it's just, he's just, no one else has a thousand. He has 1,400. Between his first full season in the major leagues, 1980, and the 1991 season, between 1980 and 1991, Ricky Henderson led the American League in stolen bases every single year except one. Who is the the trivia question is this first person to answer this, send it to Sully baseball on Twitter or locked on MLB pods on Twitter or leave it here in the comments. Who is the only player between 1980 and 1991 to lead the American league in stolen bases, whose name was not Ricky Henderson. So fire that along here, fire that as your trivia question. I know a bunch of you probably know it. So this is going to be the first one, first one to jump on it. So Miller Thomas, tell people where they can follow you. You can follow me on Twitter at creator Thomas 24 for my personal account. Look up locked on Dimebacks about Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle, and please hit subscribe on the locked on Dimebacks YouTube channel. And you can follow us at locked on MLB pods on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball podcast on Instagram. Doing a podcast with a man whose team has the best record in the National League. That's Miller Thomas. My name is Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. This has been another Locked on Dimex, Locked on MLB crossover. Let's fist pump and call it a week. Boom. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimex podcast. Come back tomorrow. We'll talk with Javier Reyes of Locked on Padres about the biggest surprises and snubs from the first round of All-Star voting. As always, come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. If you do listen every day, put hashtag everyday or the comment section on YouTube. Don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast. When you download the SiriusXM app and search up Diamondbacks. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses.